Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, and I am the Dream Business Coach coming to you from my temporary land home in Pennsylvania. Um, I have a super guest today. Marky Murray is the CEO and founder of Ditto, where he creates clarity within the work that's done inside of organizations. So in a nutshell, my uh, my attempt to have you have you understand this so i'd be an idea guy and i say implement it and then marquee would come in and say this is how we're going to do it in a very efficient way and i'm going to train your team jim while you're off doing the next thing marquee and his team accomplish this by implementing standard operating procedures systems and processes and automation to make work easier marquee himself is a serial entrepreneur no stranger to growing and leading successful teams and is nearly 15 years in the industry one thing that hasn't changed is the rate at which stress and burnout affects leaders of organizations and their teams. I know that for a fact. He and and uh, Team Ditto are on a mission to eliminate burnout for good so that teams can focus on the work without the issue of not knowing where you're going or what's happening. When he's not optimizing workflows, you can find him either hosting his own podcast in Systems We Trust. What a cool name that is. Reading a book, honing his skills in photography, kayaking. That was our first boat without a motor. Playing bass. And I, I when I met him a few minutes ago in the green room, he's got musical instruments all over his office. And or out for a walk with his with his family and his dog, Taco. Gosh, you are great at naming things. I love that. Uh, Marky, how are you doing today? I'm great, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation. It is fun because you know what? One of the, one of the reasons is you're a great guest, but the other reason is I love what I do. I get to talk to some mm. really smart, in, interesting people. And I'm, I'll, I'll tell my listeners now, been with me a very long time. I'm about five minutes later hitting the record button because I'm checking out his bass guitars. And we're, talk, we're talking boats and everything. So it's going to be a good topic. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the folks that I bring on Marquee are our fellow marketers, creating businesses, mm. launching coaching programs and things like that. And it's people like you that I think help people like me build an operation that keeps running smoothly because you are a hundred percent correct. As I was reading in, in your, uh, your bio there, stress and burnout, that that's always been a factor of growth, but man, these last few years, wow. It's gotta be off the charts. I would imagine. It, it absolutely is. And I mean, we're, we're in 2022 now, and in, in, in 2018, there was a study done by one of our key partners, Asana. Um, they, they partnered with a, a research agency to put together a study where they researched um, and uh, interviewed over 10,000 knowledge workers across North America, uh, Japan, South America, uh, Africa, Australia, all across the globe to understand 
not only how we spent time at work, but how that work was impacting our lives. And what was interesting is the, the numbers that we saw in 2018, you know, they they were staggering. I'll, I'll share a couple of them with you now. They they got even worse as we went into 2020, you know, with the pandemic. Right. And they're only getting worse and worse. And so, you know, one of the numbers was 42% of, of this 10,000, you know, um, workers experienced both burnout and imposter syndrome at the same time. And, you know, uh, another 40% of the workers think that burnout is an inevitable part of their success. So mm. we're working harder, we're working longer. It's now become the standard by which we operate. And we think that if we do put in more time, if we stay up late, if now, you know, that, that doesn't mean getting in your car or getting on a train and commuting, you're, you're walking five steps to your bedroom turned office and you're on all of that's the time. Right. And, and, and that's just become this standard, um, by which a lot of these, these knowledge workers, um, you know, are, 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 are working to now, and it's just getting harder and harder to really achieve that success. And it's impacting us in so many different ways. Marquis, I'm really surprised that the numbers as low as 42%. I'm sure some people that's an mm -hmm. alarming number. But when you mm -hmm. think about, well, I mean, I've been in the entrepreneurial world a long time. And, you know, I am a self-professed 80-hour-a-week guy. I, I did that for probably yeah. 12 years. Um, you know, we were on the boat for five years. And two years before that, I made a decision that I, I was going to structure my coaching business because I was going to work three days a week. So I literally work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now. And it was, I enjoy it now, but when we, when we're on the boat, it helped me travel from like when Friday to Monday. And then we, I'd be in a Marina with good Wi-Fi, and I'd work my business Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Not everybody is, is blessed to have that kind of um, flexibility. The thing, the other thing you said, well, you're, you're going to get used to my multi-part questions here, but sure. so I'm a little surprised with the way things are going because I guess some of the other things we're all becoming familiar with is the workforce for some reason seems to be shrinking, or at least the number of people who actually want to step up and work and things like that. And not a political statement, but companies are like stressed. They don't have enough employees, which means yeah. the employees who are there are, are probably working a lot harder. Uh, I'm guessing that as companies are are structured and stressed, and even if they happen to be growing, that's just added stress and burnout. So I want to ask you, yeah. um, how do you help a company that's that's in that situation? I I have an audience of small business owners. Let's take somebody who may have a you know a business, maybe 10, 12 employees, um, and they too are feeling the pinch. You know, they got the help wanted sign out, but they're still going and growing, serving their customers. What would you do? To, I mean, what's the first step? Is it like triage? Yeah. Um, before I answer the question, I just want to share something. It's, it's very timely. I was on Facebook this morning and I saw a post from um, Cameron Harold. He's the author of Meeting Suck, Double Double, Vivid Vision, and just spends a lot of time in this space. Mm. And to the point of, you know, um, companies not being able to hire or even keep people, the statement was, was this. It said that, you know, as we move further into the future, um, to attract A and B players into companies, you know, organizations are going to have to step up their game, right? It's the subpar uh, companies, the ones that, you know, aren't, you know, um, putting a priority on improving how they work and uh, on improving culture and improving process that are finding a hard time, finding it hard to attract this talent and then keep this talent, right? So I, I think we have to, we have to look internally first to see 
what's not working. So to answer your question, triage, absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. Where I always start with process improvement is triage. What's working well, what's not working, and where are the opportunities for improvements? And it's easy as the, the managers or the owners of the company to say that they think they, they have it all figured out. They think they know where they need to spend the time, they need to put their effort, they need to reallocate resources to, to fix the problem. And that's even if they recognize and acknowledge that there's a problem, right? Because oftentimes we're really blind to it and we can see the bottlenecks, so we can feel the bottlenecks, but we don't take the time to implement the necessary steps to change those um, and, and get those, those bottlenecks out of the way. When we're triaging, when we're reviewing what's happening, it's so important to speak to our team members. So if we're a 10, 15 person team, you know, each of those people were hired for a reason. Each of those people contribute in a certain, you know, role and capacity within your company. And if you're not taking the time to speak to them, to ask them for their feedback, to understand what they need in their role to be happy, successful, and engaged, and ask them what they see as the opportunities to improve, you're leaving yourself wide open to, um, to, to losing that talent because you're not taking the time to hear them out. You're not taking the time to prioritize their needs, their concerns. And oftentimes it's not even our team members, it's our customers that are giving us this feedback and, and we're, we, we're ignoring it. So triage is definitely the first step um, in all of this is taking all this information, putting it up on a virtual whiteboard, right? Or, or if we're in office, putting it up on the whiteboard and seeing, what do we need to prioritize so that we can fix some of these bottlenecks, close the gap when it comes to clarity and the confusion that's happening? And how do we move forward with this? So that's absolutely where I would start. I need to ask you, um, when you're when you're work, the my long, long ago, I, I spent one year just being a consultant before I went on my current path. And w one of the things I realized with being a consultant, which in, in a way, I guess, you're, is the upper category of what you do, right? Um, yeah. It, I found that uh, I would meet with some people and they would say, business owners, and they would say, yeah, I know I need you. I just don't have time right now. And it was mm -hmm. like, what I gathered from that was that uh, kind of the thorn in the lion's paw wasn't in deep enough. And it's only only uh, when it gets to be really painful or almost a real crisis, do they then say, wow, we better fix this. So I'm just kind of curious. I'm almost just more of a curiosity question to the people that hire you and, and your firm. Are they in a lot of pain or are some of them more forward thinking like I can see pain coming? Let's fix it now. They're always in a lot of pain. Yeah, I thought when so. We, when we see it coming, um, we ignore it. Like I said, we can see the roadblocks. We can see what's happening. We can feel the strain on the team, but we ignore it until it's too late. The customers that are coming to us are at a point where you know, their teams are now frustrated. They've lost a key person on their team. And with losing that person, they've taken all of that like institutional knowledge that they've developed over the years. They've taken that with them. So there's a massive hole 
in their processes now where this one person knew how to do all those things and now they're not there anymore. So Mm. it's things like that that's happening. We have, you know, in some cases, you know, teams are coming together for the first time if it's a, a small merger or, you know, we have new team members coming on because, you know, we had a great year and sales have increased, but we can't onboard our customers well enough and we can't hire and onboard our team members well enough. And when they come on, all of these different professionals, they have their own way of doing things. And so there's a there's a kink in the armor, everything breaks down and you have these silos that are created within our small teams where simply put, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and you can't work effectively as a team. Statuses are missed, due dates are missed deliverables are off track and we can't get them back to the customer in time because we don't know how to work as teams anymore. So these are some of the the most common things that I see happening. And I can go on and on and talk through them, but typically things have broken down and these, these owners, these managers are trying to catch up and they're coming in and saying, help, we have no process. We tried documenting it. We started documenting it, didn't get far. Or again, that one person on our team left and we need help. And so then that's when we come in to try and reverse engineer things or create process where there is none and get them back on track. You know, as a um, coach for like 13 years now, I'm fully familiar with the imposter syndrome, both my myself in my early days, but then it's a lot of what I do with my own clients. But I was almost a little surprised when you mentioned imposter syndrome in the work that you do. So how, how does how does that manifest itself? Yeah, it's um, the, the the stat was around that that forty two percent that are experiencing burnout as well as imposter syndrome, ah, okay. right? And so they they have this imposter syndrome and they're 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 trying to work against it, right? They're trying to work harder, work um, longer hours. They are you know taking work home and working outside of their normal hours to catch up because either. They feel like they don't have the skill set or because they have said yes to things in their job, you know, out of, you know, obligation. And they're trying to to keep up appearances really is what it is. Right. And, and, and that has a lot to do with, you know, companies trying to fill these gaps and just offloading work onto these people that aren't necessarily qualified. And so a, a lot of it can happen at the same time. And, you know, I, I, I know for me. When I experience burnout, you know, when that does come up, imposter syndrome is one of those things that just naturally follows. It's, mm. I can't do anything right. You know, I know that for me personally, I, I retreat, I ignore the outside world. I think, why would anyone want to talk to me? And so it, it's just really just this self-destructive talk that starts to happen once you do reach that point where it's too late. And that's the burnout that we're trying to eliminate. We're trying to create process. We're trying to create clarity in processes. We're trying to work with teams and train them and how to um, how to build process within their work. We're training them uh, to take ownership over that so that they can eliminate future burnout. They can eliminate that imposter syndrome and we can reinstill the the um, you know, the sense that they do know what they're doing. They just have to all agree that they're doing the same thing and they're going to do it the same way. Yeah. Um, so working with someone like you, I imagine before you can fix anything, as you said, there's triage, you need to find out what's working, what's not. Um, yeah. So you need, somebody needs to go in there and, and kind of document existing processes. Is that what you and your team do? I'm imagining if someone's hiring you, they don't have the time to do that themselves. 
That's correct. Yeah. So okay. that's what our team, that's what our team will do. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example. This is one that I'll often um, speak to on, you know, in different speaking engagements or in webinars or when I'm speaking with customers. And that's, if, if you want to think about processes and really how you look at things, and, and I've done this example live with, with groups of people, and it works extremely well. You go around and you ask three or four people, uh, to jot down the answers to this one question. And the question is, how do you make toast? Mm. Really simple question. We've all made toast. Um, in, in a most recent talk, I had four people stand up and one person said, well, first, I, I don't actually start by making the toast. First, I make bacon, you know, and then I take the bacon out and the grease that's left, I put the bread in the grease and then I let the bread fry in that first. So I get a really nice, you know, savory piece of toast. And then I take my butter and put it on it. Someone else, you know, said they, they remove it from the fridge and they go about their way of, you know, making this toast. I can't remember their specific steps. And then the a third person said, we don't even use traditional bread. We don't have bread in our house. We have bagels, mm. right? And with our bagels, we'll take that out. We don't actually use butter. We use cream cheese. And so, and then the fourth person gave their example. And so really the point is, is that none of these ways of making toast are wrong, right? We, we, we can't say, nope, that's the wrong way. That's just the way that you prefer to do it. It would only be wrong if all of these different members were on a professional brigade of a five-star restaurant that was known for how they make toast, right? We'd have to all agree, we're gonna do it the exact same way. And so where you really start on that triage is identifying what those commonalities are. So at some point we all, you know, need to put it in a toaster or, you know, something like that, something to actually heat the bread, right? That's a commonality. Then we need to go around and we see what's not working. One person could say, um, you know, every time I put the, the butter on the toast, my bread falls apart. Well, <laughs> where are you storing your butter? Is it in the fridge and it's rock hard or yeah. is it on the countertop in a crock? Right. And so we start to identify what are those roadblocks? Okay. Have you tried doing this? Another person will say, well, my toast keeps getting burnt. Well, have you tried putting it on, on a lower setting? Right. And we just work through it. I'm, I'm using this really simple example because I know everyone can relate to it no matter what industry you are, but we're, we're trying to find out what's working, what's common across all the different ways we're doing things. And then the goal is to create what we call an ideal future state. So you have many different current states of how you do things, right? And they're not working together. We're identifying and trying to create this ideal future state where we all agree we're going to put the, the toast in the toaster. We're going to set it to two. When it comes out, we're going to set it on the cutting board. We're going to spread room temperature butter on it, and we're going to serve it to our guest, right? And so this ideal future state can be mapped um, visually where you can use tools like um, Miro or Lucid to visualize that. You can, you know, write it out or draw it on, on a piece of paper. The, but the real thing that we're trying to drive home here is that as long as we agree, we're all going to do it the same way. And we've explored all the different options. And to bring it back to a business setting where automation is needed, we can add in automation with tools like Zapier. 
where there are redundancies, we can remove things from our processes, where there are too many steps in the approval process. Maybe there's one person in that approval process because they have too many things on their plate, right? We, we try and we have these conversations around how we can lighten the load, distribute some of that work and, you know, ultimately improve how we do things. So um, that can be a quite lengthy process, but th that's the basis of what we're trying to do. There's, there's the research, there's the documenting of how things are right now. There's the identifying the gaps and the weaknesses. And then there is the um, deploying of that ideal future state. Well, I'm a pretty simple man, but I do hate when the hard butter destroys my bread. So I I'm think everyone does. Right? I know I think everyone does. Yeah. So I'm just curious. I don't, if I ask something too proprietary, just give me an answer that doesn't answer it. But do you have, uh, did you develop some proprietary systems or tools? Are there, and maybe there's some off the shelf items that you use and have perfected, but like what do you, besides your own brain power, Marquis, you, you and your team, what types of things do you use to go in and um, fix a client? Yeah, we have a, a framework that we follow and, and it's really, it's really simple. It's, it's our 4D framework. So we, we have nothing pro, um, proprietary, sorry. Um, but we have this framework that we do follow where um, we're starting with um, this discover phase. So we, we want to have these conversations, have the interviews, ask the really important questions and kind of discover what's going on. You know, what are you doing, person A? What are you doing, person B? And we want to have those discussions, right? So when we're working with a customer, we have a set of interviews that we put them through. Um, and then we are asking them to maybe um, document some video of how they work. And Loom is one of the tools we recommend people use for that. Just kind of show us on your screen, what does your process look like? We take that information and then we can design, which is the second D, um, what is happening right now. So we're designing the current state, we're visualizing it, and we're working to, you know, design the ideal future state based on all this information that we've received. So our team now will take this, we're going into our fancy, you know, process mapping software, and we're drawing little blocks and, you know, drawing lines between them so you can see visually what the next steps are. Right, We can see where there are branches or decisions that need to be made or approvals that need to happen. So that's our design. And then the third is to document. We take you know, all of those pain points. We take what we agreed are the, the things that we're going to keep within the process. We are documenting now our standard operating procedures because we've created these commonalities and we want to document how we will move forward with them. And we're, we're documenting them and keeping them in a place where they're accessible to the team. So if that's a well-organized Google folder with some, you know, well-labeled Google Docs, um, there are tools like Coda or Almanac or Confluence um, by Atlassian that can help you to organize all of this documentation. And then the last D in the framework is deploy. So mm. that just means to implement everything. Now we're training the team and we're talking about what all this looks like in the real world. And so everyone can start actually using the systems we created. So again, that was discover, design, document, and then deploy. That's our 4D framework. 
That's awesome. Um, I'm, I got about three or four minutes left here. I want to try and squeeze in two more. I want to ask you about your your company, Ditto. But before I do that, sure. I was doing a little research as I usually do. And I think I saw there's a blog post on your website um, about uh, how to prevent quiet quitting. Can you oh. talk about quiet quitting briefly, what it is, and and maybe just one or two examples of how, how you can help? Yeah, sure. The, the, the term quiet quitting is a fairly new one. The mm -hmm. The concept is not new, though, right? Um, we have work to rule and things like that. They just, you know, display themselves in different ways. But really, it's employees coming in and saying, here, we are going to do exactly what is asked of us between the working hours of nine to five, and we're not going to stay a second longer, and we're, we're not going to do anything that is outside of our job responsibilities. And so this has happened because over the past few years, we've seen people being taken advantage of, again, people being burnt out, being asked to do things that are outside of their comfort zone or outside of their, their, their special skill set. And so really, if we look at this, the fundamentals is they did not have the tools um, and they were not equipped to do the job that they were hired to do, right? And so there's this frustration that's setting, there's confusion that's setting, there's double work that's setting in. So our message is simply take the time on business owners. You cannot afford to not take the time to document your processes. You cannot afford to not take the time to put out um, well-defined job responsibilities. You cannot afford to not take the time to define whom is responsible for what within your organizations because workers are fed up. They are sounding the alarm and they're letting you know that because of the inefficiencies that they experience every single day, it is impacting their lives. It's impacting their mental health. It's impacting their during the the cultures and it's impacting their levels of engagement and yeah. so wow. my Powerful. my message would yeah my, my message would be just business owners take the time hear from your people and implement the changes that they're asking for yeah um last question is well basically how, how can people connect with you but tell everybody just a little bit about ditto what you're doing and then um you know kind of wrap up with how people can uh, connect with you marquee yeah, so so Ditto, we help mostly marketing and e-commerce teams. We help them get the most out of their technology mm. by standardizing their operating uh, systems, improving their processes. And, and like I described, we're helping them visually map their current future states, help them document their standard operating procedures. But ultimately, we want to help them standardize how their work is done and then train their teams so that they're not concerned about where or how that work is happening. I spend... Most of my time on LinkedIn these days, uh, Marquis Murray, you can find me if you are a process person and want to learn more. Um, In Systems We Trust is my podcast that you can check out. And there's lots of uh, resources um, that are available there as well. That's awesome. Marquis, thank you so much. I, I, I knew this would be a, a very uh, enlightening conversation and uh, you, you didn't disappoint. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, I'm glad, Jim. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, this was a fun conversation. Yeah, you bet. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Marky e. Murray. And believe me, if, if you don't work with somebody that's helping you with your processes, procedures, et cetera, 
you will eventually. Uh, I'm, I got a little white on my face, so I can. I'm old enough to remember that old commercial. You can pay us now or pay us later. I think that was That's a car it. company, but anyway, yeah. Connect with him at uh, the place you just said, thinkdinner.com, and uh, he's all over LinkedIn at uh, Marky Murray. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. Getjimpalmer.com is my home base. If you're interested in the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, that is dreambizcoaching.com. But that's it until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.